0: Welcome to the Albion TV interview series. I am the chosen one, and today I am joined by Cornelius, a junior game developer specializing in systems at Sandbox Interactive. He has agreed to spend some time with us today and talk about all things Albion. So thank you for joining us, Cornelius. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Honestly, uh, it's always great to talk to somebody from Sandbox, But uh, getting to talk to a designer is extra special. Before we get into what you do at Sandbox, I think it'd be nice for the listeners to get an understanding of who you are, maybe how you got involved in game design, uh, where you started. Um, So what got you started in game design? What was the, uh, the motivation to get into designing video games?
1: A big motivation for me... I don't. It's it's really hard for me to like pinpoint like an event where I decided I wanted to make games. It's it's more like a thing that I always did. Like the first board game that I ever did where I actually wrote down the rules was third grade, I believe, where we had like extracurricular activities in our elementary school, and it was. It was just some weird, like, hey, it's medieval time and we learn about knights and stuff like this. And we did that by making kind of a board game. And I really liked that. And I like when I played board games with my friends, we always would like create new rules to like spice up a thing or just like use the pieces of of, like Settlers for Catan and play a completely different game with rules we previously agreed upon. And like when it came to around like end of high school and was like, Hey, what do you want to do? You have to decide. now. I was like, I don't know. Can I make games? Oh, I can make games. I want to make games.
0: Well, that sounds fantastic. That sounds like you have a lifelong love of game design. I, I want to dive into that a little bit more. What were some of the, the games there? you said uh, settlers of Catan there as one of them. What other board games did you play growing up that may have influenced your design decisions?
1: I played a lot of Risk. Um, I played a lot of, uh, I don't know, uh, what's it called? Mm Kakason? Like a lot of like very strategic games uh, where you like get points. Um, But it's actually like, I, I played a lot of different games. It was less that I always like focused on one game and we always played that. It was more like, hey, how can we play as many games as possible? And I was like, not I was, I am always excited to try a new game. If you ask me, hey, you want to play a game? I would say, sure, let's meet up, do it.
0: So it sounds like the discovery phase of games is what really motivates you. It's that time while you're learning and seeing new things for the first time, maybe being introduced to new systems.
1: Yeah, d- definitely. It is, I think, the most exciting part. And it's like, if I ever get the feeling, okay, there is not so much new f- that is coming it's just a repetition of the same then i it is really hard for me to then finish the game
0: <laughs> oh i totally you know, understand this? that i i understand that i'm i i'm uh notorious for getting a bunch of games and playing them for like a few hours each and then being like nope not gonna finish this one I already know how it's gonna play out i don't care about your story i just wanted to see how you worked
1: yeah yeah i, I i've got that too a lot too
0: Although there's some of those those games I do have uh, four thousand hours on, um something about a strategy game will do that.
1: yeah, and especially like if your friend group revolves like around a game, like eventually we I transitioned from board games to uh, video games, actually quite early already. but uh, like a thing that I played with my friends from elementary school that we really stuck together because we had like one game we played together, which was Dota Two so we played this uh, a lot so this was like the thing that we always did especially like because we went to different high schools and it flattered out a little bit so it was good to uh, like have this one thing where we could like agree upon and do that together so it also like kind of kept me with my friends like playing this one game so age of i would say age of empires 2 and dota 2 are like two games which i regularly play that's probably the games that I have the most hours in.
0: Did you go back to the uh, the remake of Age of Empires
1: 2? Oh, definitely. Every every single one.
0: I- I've been uh, making my son play that one. I'm very impressed by what they did with that remake. It's one of the yeah. better remakes of the last decade.
1: Definitely. Like, the, the first one, the HD edition was kind of... like they, It didn't change too much, but then, then the definitive edition... I mean, it is crazy. They They just brought out the last I think the uh, new expansion like a month ago like it's very much still an active game and this game is like as old as I am
0: Mm -hmm. you're making me feel very old right now I wanted to say when you said I was in elementary school playing Dota 2 I was like oh yes uh the first business I owned they were playing Dota 1 (sighs)
1: <sighs> yeah, actually, Dota 2 I started when I was like early high school, so I was not in elementary school anymore. But was... well, you make me feel a little and bit better. Now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My son is the same way. Uh, his uh, friends from elementary school, um, all played the same game together in, in elementary school. They play it now that they're in high school um, almost a decade later. It's very cool to see how games have become that thing and they can keep peer groups together. Whereas when I was a kid, we didn't have that option as the, oh God, the internet was new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's
1: it's actually that uh, something that I think is very unique to people that play, like that have a steady gaming group that they stick together because m- most people that don't have that, that I know that there are like shifting, like, Friend groups, which isn't a bad thing. Like you, you're acquainted with the people that are around you, and if paths lead different ways, then they go different ways. But I feel like, at least in my experience, me and my friends really duked together uh, because, like, we always had a thing that we could do together, and we didn't necessarily need to be together to do that because of the internet.
0: And now you play in the ultimate extension of that. You play uh, while well, you work. For an MMO that allows people from all over the world to play together without the, the boundaries of servers or anything like that, you just play together in one single shard, which is that ultimate, you all come together, you can stay together. No matter what happens, this is going to be here for you guys to progress through. There's no barriers in the way. It's very neat. And uh, I, I like the way that has worked out for you there.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is one of the things that I like about Albion. Like, actually, like the the biggest interest, like why, like why I went to Albion and like what I put on my CV when applying here is like I was looking for the most complicated game there is with the most complicated system. Yeah. That is like within Berlin, and this is Albion. Please hire me.
0: Okay. Well, I'll let the guys over at Blue Byte know you weren't interested in the settlers. Okay, not uh, complicated no, uh, enough. All
1: right. But <laughs> for Blue Byte, like, all, another big factor was I didn't want to go at a like big company, mm. and like Blue Byte, Ubisoft is like you're very much a little cog in a very big machine, and with that, the influence you has kind of diminishes. At least that is what I thought when I was like a new guy, fresh from game design school, without actual practical knowledge really from the industry, but it's, I, I would always like prefer to be in like a smaller company and I, all, I also don't really have aspirations to ever like be in these kind of big companies, but it's just a personal preference.
0: I totally understand that as somebody who's, uh, you know, I've only gotten to work with um, a nice small company here at Sandbox and it's been a joy. Honestly, there's still that personal feeling. Even, you know, when you have an issue and you can go to the highest levels, it it feels good. Um, And everybody knows who everybody is. And when you do something here, it really matters. I mean, you've already. That actually goes into something you were saying before. I I just realized I hit the Albion catchphrase there. Everybody matters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like in the game. Right now, because of the size of the company at SBI, everybody matters.
1: I totally agree, and like it's like this catchphrase is really something that caught my like caught my attention because I feel like in, in Albion because of how the system works, it's not just a catchphrase because that's something people always like to say, like everybody matters. But I think that Albion is one of the games where I feel like the systems are really aligning to really like serve this narrative and really make everybody matter. Like there is no PVP ganker without a crafter or without a gatherer and vice versa. Like if there are no PVP gankers, there's nobody buying your crafted swords. And if there's no crafter, nobody buys their resources. Yeah. And and you
0: need the farming too, to supply the crafters without the food to feed the buildings Even the crafting doesn't work. Everybody relies on somebody else to keep the entire circle of life moving. And I think that's, you're absolutely right here. Albion has some of the best systems in gaming, not just in MMOs, but in gaming in general. Uh, I I personally, I I never thought of it as one of the most complex. But when, when you mentioned that, you know, I started thinking about that. And it really is the way that everything works together is like a finely tuned machine with each individual cog just being the perfect right size to make everything work
1: yeah and I, I think it, it definitely also complicates stuff because like you can't just say hmm i I want to change these balancing numbers on this weapon because like if you overtune it, it will become very popular on the market and will Changed like even like balance changes to the weapons will have impacts on gatherers Mm -hmm. because the shift of the resources that which are needed is like shifted, and you have now to like look somewhere else to get your profits.
0: Absolutely, we see these uh different things becoming the meta, um, and even just you can go beyond that to just specific times of the month, like I know that uh, lupac for example one of the other casters here on albion tv would sell all of his mounts right before invasion day because people would be looking to buy three and four mounts for that day so they would be willing to pay for uh, more mounts at a higher price because they needed a bunch of them right away for tomorrow to be ready because they wouldn't have the time tomorrow to get them and it wouldn't matter in two days so they had to pay the price that it was now and if something that small, just the calendar itself can have an impact in the economy, changes in other aspects have got to have the ability to have huge impacts.
1: Yeah, totally. And like, especially what you said, I really like because like, this is this game design concept called emergence where like you design a system to do a specific thing. And because how these different parts interact with each other a behavior or like yeah let's call it a behavior uh, is generated that wasn't really intended but it's like interesting like i'm very sure that with invasion day they weren't planning that certain items would fluctuate based on the calendar but it's like something that needs that really makes i feel like makes the game come alive like feel alive
0: Oh, 100% and when you talk about the emergent gameplay and the uh, the unintended gameplay of things, I want to go to some of the intended uh, gameplay of some of the emergent features like if you look at the lands awakened update for example and what it did to the outlands with the cores and crystals and how people really do uh, play around those. It has been so incredibly successful as an emergent gameplay system. It just, people will wander the world doing the evolved mobs or the cores and come across something that's of a higher value and then find a way to come together to increase their own size for a higher value target and it creates a, a evolving gameplay loop that we had never seen before. And it's so cool to see that come about just based on adding a couple new objectives to the world.
1: Yes, and especially, like, I think what is the, the most important of these aspects, because they became a lot more dynamic than they used to be, like, even with these upgrading mobs and stuff, this will, like, always ensure that you, like, kind of have to move and you have to kind of look and it feels a lot more alive if it's like spontaneous you you cannot really say oh i'm going to grind the elite mobs of the world or i go for a power core because you you don't really know if you get one You, you kind of really have to search for it and you will do other stuff on the way that makes it all feel like very spontaneous also with the treasures um and i think that's a direction that is was really cool for the game to see and that really made it more again more alive
0: 100 percent. it has the uh, perfect balance of like scarcity and value and um i want to say like potential to be there um when something's always there i feel like it it sometimes loses its luster people don't realize what its true value is because it's always there but when it's not always there and it's uh you know, an intermittent reward, if you will, um, with a challenge involved, people will fight harder for it. It'll have an increased, um, like, sentimental value. I don't know if sentimental is the right way, but um, increased value in their mind to go after it.
1: Definitely, because they have to make the decision now, like, am I going for this or not? Do I maybe go, like, back into my hideout to get some better gear to equip to have a better chance? But will I make that to like come back at the right time to uh yeah still get something of it or will it be gone by then that's yeah makes it a lot more interesting the decision
0: we've talked about a couple of different systems what is your favorite system in albion what is your favorite thing that you've been introduced to since you've been here
1: We have to say like black market from the like design purposes and what it creates and how it like like, I think the f- most fascinating is how we can, like, drop items for players that were still crafted by players, so this whole loop still still stands true, so we can, like, provide cool loot for the players that pe- people can use, and that's actually valuable, while still, like, without diminishing the role of the crafters, because, like, if we would drop, like, just system-generated items, then this would inevitably compete with the crafters because we have now a supply that is not actually generated by players, which is very not Albion-esque. And with like this system, we have like everything comes from a crafter. Like every sword has a story. it's gathered by someone it was crafted by one and somebody then found it in a dungeon. Then they get ganked and this ganker sells it to the marketplace. And it's like the the sword has some kind of history.
0: It's very cool that in this world of Albion, it really does have that cycle of life, not just for the players, you know, live, die, repeat, but that's the same thing for the items. They are, you know, they, it's a live, die, repeat cycle for them too, and that's really cool in crafting. It keeps that market going, and to extend that uh, that system from just the, you know, players get it from the, the crafting uh you know they, they refine it they craft it they sell it the player uses it they die with it they need to get an, a new one and it loops so well but to introduce that into the npcs i think was a really really cool thing that i i've never seen done before
1: yeah me as a me neither and i it was also like a thing that really interests me about Albion like I, like, when I was playing that, like, the Black market was something where I watched, like, the dev talks often, like, really tried to, like, kind of reverse engineer like, how it works. And, like, before I was at the company, uh, because I just found it really fascinating. And, again, like, I really like complex system, and that seemed like something that was complex. And I really tried to, like, break my head against this. Uh, against it and like try to figure it out how exactly it worked
0: i think i need to get you to talk to bogle i think you guys would get along really well probably yeah both of you guys like complex systems he's he's in love with them going from the the systems that you really enjoyed before you got here why don't we talk about some of the things that you've done since you've been here some of the things that you've gotten to work on what was the the first project they had you start working on when you got here
1: Like the first project that I, bigger project that I was starting here was um, the new spell tooltips, like with the color coding and stuff, where the system isn't like the really complicated part behind it. That wasn't the big thing, but it was like, I also was supposed to like bring all of the tooltips on on the same quality level, Mm -hmm. which really... Brought some hilarity with it because I think the best one in my mind was um, Frost Shot, I think it's called. Like the bow where you shoot in front of you and jump backwards.
0: Yeah, you, you fly backwards, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and that was literally like the spell description when I touched it. Like it was just shoot in front of you and jump backwards without telling you that you slow, that you make an AoE. Uh, uh not tell you how, how far you discipline. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing of that. And shoot, yeah, go backwards. Couple, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's really straightforward. But yeah, I was I made sure that like every relevant like value is displayed and that they're clear, readable, and I had to rewrite every spell in the game, and that
0: took some time. I will say two things about that. One, you learned a lot about the mechanics of Albion by doing that. You learned a lot about Albion, and that's very important for, for a game designer. And two, you made a lot of friends because I think every player in Albion uh, can appreciate the new tooltips because, oh my God, uh, shoot in front of you, go backwards, was not just uh, for Frosha. Uh, there were a lot of different um, spells that didn't have enough information about them listed. So, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. You're welcome. Uh, so, what else have you been working on now that you've been here for a while? You said you've been here for two years. What of the features that you've worked on? What was your favorite to work on? What is the one that you feel had the biggest impact?
1: These these are different. Like oh, my, my favorite answer. to 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 work on was actually like I went over like the item value system and. Like like the task like that was one I think my second bigger project that I was given that was like hey crafting and how the values like where created are isn't really transparent to players can you can you make it more transparent like this was the initial task and I tried to make that and I wanted to like hey show like this what you can now can see when you craft an item like hey this is how the tax is create, uh, calculated this is how the nutrition cost is calculated on all that stuff and i really loved like diving into this system first of all because it was like an economy system i wanted to do economy when i started here and um, also because the more i dug the more i uncovered which was like like just weird and things that like kind of where like slightly broken and stuff and like a lot of that. And it, it really gave me like a understanding like for the system and it was like very complex. So that, that's one thing that I liked, but I actually think the system that had the most impact, like gameplay wise would be the journey back ability.
0: Oh, the journey back. We had a yeah, lot of discussions about that. Do you want to go over that a little bit to let people know what that is? I'm sure they know, yeah. but...
1: Yeah, it's been talked about a lot. I've read that. Um, every bit of that. And uh, yeah, ba- basically the, it's the ability to like put you back to the la- last safe zone you visited from basically everywhere in the overworld. But... Like, th- this sounds very simple, but of course, people who know Albion know how much damage that could do to the game, because, like, transporting is very important, Um, hunting people uh, is really, like, a, the whole ganking gameplay is really important, but on the other hand, it was kind of like a big problem we had was, like, getting people into the Outland and getting, like, being motivated to do anything because like the the problem is if you do outland or was if you want to do outland content it's always a huge time commitment because you have to walk there and you have to walk back which is not just dangerous which sh- yes it should be but it's also just takes a lot of time so if i only have 45 minutes to work uh, to play do i really go to that zone for 15 minutes, do 15 minutes content there, and then travel 15 minutes back. That was like the main goal that we wanted to uh, yeah, achieve. And I th- think we have achieved like getting people out there and be out there more and actually do the activities they want with their time and not just walking.
0: 100% has worked for that. Um, I always saw it as a way to get people to continue doing the activity longer and spending less time traveling. Like yes uh, cuz like you said it's it's the journey there and then it's the journey back and the journey back was often like non-productive. It was all risk. There was no reward to the journey back. The journey back would be okay, I need to I can only go forward so far. Because every time I go forward, that means it's another zone I have to go back to get to where I need to. So it would hinder you in how far you are willing to go, and it increased the amount of risk that you'd have to have because every zone was just additional risk. Now you can really manage that risk a bit by saying, how close to the portal do I need to get before I I spend my money? Like... um, how much is of my time is worth just not traveling and i think it's worked really well um my hope is that we see more people who were involved in that um less than ideal level of ganking that portal ganking activity yeah. who made that their their gameplay loop i want to see them move out from that i want to find i want them to find something else for their time played that's more Rewarding than that was because while that may have been rewarding for them financially, it can't have been very rewarding in in a gameplay sense. Yeah. It just didn't have a lot of uh, give I mean, and take.
1: What What did you do? You You waited basically for some name tag to show up, and then you all jumped on that player, and then you had like some gratification. And of course, it was financially viable. That's why people did that. But it's like in itself, not really a fun activity, we believe. So, like, there's a phrase, I forgot where, where I got that, but, like, one role of the designer is to protect the player to optimize the fun out of a game, mm-hmm. um, which mostly, like, I think it was in the uh, context of civilization, like, the all these very complex game. a lot of times players get very hung up on trying to do the best thing Totally min-maxing, the, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, do the best thing co- and not doing the fun thing. And it's kind of the job of the designer to make the fun thing always the most viable so players are doing the most fun thing. Because, I mean, in the end of the day, you, you're here to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And we want
0: to provide you to that. Well, that's, a, that's an awesome answer to that. I think that's, uh, that's great. And I think that the Journey Back is doing a good job with it. I think it's working as intended. Um before I let you go is there uh, is there any other topic that you'd like to to touch on really quick or there anything that you're looking forward to doing maybe
1: Currently I'm kind of working on a rework of the guild finder and make it easier for new like new and veteran players to like find guilds that fit to them which are turned out to be very very different things actually um So I'm really happy to see like how this will work out in the future. And personally as a gatherer, I'm really like, this has been long on the cards, but it's also something that is sitting in my backlog that I really look forward towards is the gathering gear, like a rework of the gathering gear and make that a bit more interesting. But again, it's future stuff. There's no big design there yet.
0: Well, I will say that the the guild finder is something that a lot of people are looking forward to. I would say the, the two questions I get the most are, what's the best build for X, and how do I find a guild? So if you can solve either one of those problems, you have solved the biggest problems in Albion. Yeah, we will see. Well, thank you very much, Cornelius, for uh, joining me today. Is there anybody you would like to thank at SBI or maybe along the way in your journey to becoming a game designer, maybe one of those friends who played uh, board games with you back in the day?
1: Actually, uh, I think one of them would be Philip, who really like gave me the sources uh, to, to study game design. He actually also now works here with us. Which is as a UI coder, but like in in the early days, where I was like, Yay, I want to do game design, and I did know, really had no clue. He was like way ahead of me and like gave me to like YouTube sources, like extra credits and stuff, and basically kickstarted me into finding sources and delving deeper into the topic. And actually, shout out Robin because he had been a great mentor for me, and even with his. Very limited time as a CEO and, and game director, uh, always made some time to help me with my concept, review them, and find the best solution there. And it really, I, I really learned a lot.
0: Well, I have actually learned quite a bit today as well. Thank you so much for this interview and taking the time to join us today.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure.